0: Sending to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing. That was Down by the Levee by Tony D. We have some really exciting news and a lot, a lot of happenings.
1: Yes. <laughs> you have that? I couldn't find the article about it. Okay. But uh, we have uh, the, the short and quick version is the varsity theater uh, is is going to continue to exist, <laughs> and it's not going to be empty anymore, at least pretty soon, because uh, the Carisodis, the company that's been sitting on it for years and letting it go empty, <laughs> see, I'm not bitter at all, am I? <laughs> the co- yeah, is the company that owns it and that's been letting it sit empty for years, is is uh, being charitable and donating it to the city, and the city has talk of. Uh, you know, using it for the stage company and for Carbondale Community Arts. So, this wonderful historic theater that uh, we have in downtown Carbondale is going to actually see some use again. So, that's exciting news.
0: And that's what's happening now. Let me get to d- today in history. Today is Friday, November 16th. Just in case you didn't know, the 320th day of 2007. There are only 45 days left in this year. 100 years ago on this day, on November 16th, 1907, Oklahoma became the 46th State of the Union. On this date in 1776, British troops captured Fort Washington in New York during the American Revolution. I actually just was reading a book about that whole... It was, it was, it, it almost didn't happen, the American Revolution, that whole series there. Hmm. In 1933, on this date, the United States and the Soviet Union established diplomatic relations. And one year ago, Democrats Democrats embraced Nancy Pelosi as the first woman House Speaker in history, but then selected Steny Hoyer as the majority leader against her wishes. That's this day in history.
1: Yes, this day in history. And so now we have some happenings, happenings which may, you know, in their own little way, make history. Someday they may be reading the the, This Day in History 50 years from now, and things going on today will be mentioned.
0: (laughs) Why 50 years ago? I think next year.
1: Yeah, next year. (laughs) But let's see. uh, Our first happening is a global warming rally. Protest Peabody's global warming pollution. Peabody Energy is the world's largest coal company and largest enabler of global warming pollution. They're proposing a massive coal-fired power plant and liquid coal facilities throughout the Midwest that will accelerate global warming. Uh, just three of these projects would emit as much global warming pollution as seven northeast states are proposing to eliminate from all of their power plants. You know, So all these states have gotten together and eliminated all of this pollution, and then just a few of Peabody's projects would just knock all that out. <laughs> Would pick up the slack, you might say. <laughs> at a time when the world is trying to reduce global warming pollution, Peabody's forging forward with the l- largest new sources of global warming emissions seen in this country for 20 years. Uh, so, if we're going to stop global warming, you have to stop big coal. And they're organizing a uh, protest in opposition to Peabody's plans to increase global warm- warming pollution. That's coming up uh, tomorrow at 1 p.m. It's going to be across from Peabody's headquarters, which, in case you don't know, is in nearby St. Louis.
0: we got some bad people in St. Louis.
1: Yeah, there, there's lots of, there's Monsanto's in St. Louis, uh, Peabody's in St. Louis. Uh, I, I guess maybe some of the uh, 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 master villains from the Midwest congregate in St. Louis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why there's so many activists who live in St. Louis.
1: Yeah, that's why. They, they counter
0: gotta, counteract it.
1: Yeah, they know they'll have no shortage of things to do. So that's at 1 p.m. in St. Louis uh, It's at uh, 700 Market Street in downtown St. Louis is where the Peabody headquarters is.
0: Now this has been an issue that is near and dear to my heart, and I've been talking about it for a few months now, the Great Energy Bill Debate of 2007. As 2007 winds down, it remains unclear whether this year we'll see any major energy legislation signed into law. Earlier this year, leaders in Congress promised far-reaching action on energy independence initiatives for the U.S. as well as sweeping reforms designed to impact climate change. But as is the case with many congressional changes, any changes that do happen will happen slowly and with much discussion. Right now, there are two key pieces of energy legislation, one passed by the House and one by the Senate, that have been languishing for months on Capitol Hill. The chief barrier to any forward progress is the fact that they are starkly different animals. While there have been rumblings over the past several weeks about hammering out a compromise that would ideally retain the best features of both bills, I mean, each one of the bills has some really good features, Let's see, there is even differing opinion on the best approach for, well, achieving such a compromise. <laughs> Some legislators are still hoping to see a formal conference committee appointed where negotiators from both chambers will try to draft a compromise, while others see marathon closed door talks as a way to circumvent a committee and produce a new energy bill that will win approval in both houses of Congress. If the Congress does manage to produce a bill that all members can agree on, it still needs to meet with, well, presidential approval, of course. There's also some concern that any additional environmental legislation, such as the Lieberman-Warner's Americans' Climate Security Act, will stall until broader energy legislation agreements are reached. So as the thumb-wrestling continues, we thought we'd provide you with a side-by-side comparison some of the key features of the two bills in their current embodiments. Now, the House Energy Bill, H.R. 3221 is called the New Direction for Energy Independence, National Security, and the Consumer Protection Act.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The Senate Energy Bill, H.R. 6, Renewable Fuels, Consumer Protection, and Energy Efficiency Act of 2007. I think mm-hmm. it said exactly the same thing in different words.
1: Yeah, it, it's saying something very similar, but they word it differently.
0: But then you go down, and some of the stuff. Like for example, renewable energy provisions. In the House bill, they require electric utilities to provide 15% of their power from renewable energy sources by 2020. The Senate bill has nothing about renewable energy. Um, The House bill establishes Department of Energy programs for research, development, and demonstration of marine renewable energy include wave and current power and new hydropower technologies and geothermal, and solar energy. There already is that, but they're going to continue to fund it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, The Senate bill only will provide money for new technologies, such as wave technologies, which is interesting. Um, The House bill, tax oil companies to raise over fifteen billion dollars to provide funding for energy efficiency and renewable energy initiatives the senate bill natural gas savings plan to be required to reduce oil use by two point five billion gap barrels per day by twenty sixteen let's see what else hmm. um, in the house bill there are no motor vehicle efficiencies while in the senate bill um, increase the CAFE standards to achieve at least 35 miles per gallon standard by 2020.
1: Yeah, and the House bill has no, uh, no provisions for mandating biofuels, and the Senate bill does.
0: It's very interesting, because it's like, one bill has something really, really good in it, and then the other bill has nothing. Yeah, huh. Like the House bill has something really, really good for renewable energy, and the Senate bill has nothing and then the Senate bill has really really good about um, increasing fuel efficiency standards and the House bill has nothing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) So then when you try to make a hybrid of the two there's gonna be some people who want to cut it one way and
0: some who want to cut it the other way. (laughs) Right. And um, the main thing that really gets me is as of now the Senate bill has no tax credits. Um, Currently you can get tax credits for putting in any almost any energy efficiency product, installing solar energy, um, putting in wind energy. Um, the House bill eliminates tax benefits for purchases of SUVs for business use, mm-hmm. extends 30% investment credits for solar energy and fuel cells through the end of 2016. Currently, you can get um, up to 30% of the cost of a solar system Um, back in tax credits. However, the Senate bill has, well, no tax incentive provisions at all. So let's see if they can compromise. Either way, it is crucial that we call and, well, demand that they put in the tax credits, they put in the energy efficiency, because without that, our country cannot be independent and that's i don't understand why they throw in some really great things but then leave out other really great things <laughs> so hopefully they will compromise they only have supposedly till monday yeah <laughs> um the the majority leaders from both of them have said they have till monday because that is the deadline to have enough time to vote on it before this session Closes. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll have to wait until middle of January to start doing it again. And so probably what's going to happen is they're going to do a closed-door committee all over the weekend and hope to hash it out and get it so that um, we'll see. We'll see what we're talking about next week.
1: Yeah. They'll take that little chart that we had where we were reading from, and they'll chop it into little pieces and try to shuffle them and
0: argue over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they've been arguing about it well, the House bill was um i mean not the House bill, the Senate bill was Senate bill six, so it was the sixth bill they introduced this year. Is that c- probably correct? seemed like they introduced it like in February <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: and so it's the, been a while yeah, they've been talking about it all year long, so in other happenings,
1: yes, other happenings, one is the uh, farmers' market is still open through the end of November here in Carbondale. It's always good to at the farmer's market.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's now's the time to get your squash, your potatoes, your pumpkins, um, your garlic, all that stuff that can stick around and stay for most of the winter. Stock up on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get the good stuff.
1: Yeah, get it now while it's still there. <clears throat> so then other happenings, open minds. On November 18th, uh, which I believe is Sunday at 8.45 a.m., at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship that's located at the corner of Parish Street and Sunset Street at uh, 105 North Parrish. Uh, the United Nations Hotspots Conflict Resolution. This is a presentation uh, presented by Mrs. Olga Wendler, the President of the United Nations Association and member of the National Board of UNA Directors. For more information, you can go to www.cuuf.net. Or call 529-2439.
0: And in case you didn't know it, last night was the big vegetarian Thanksgiving dinner at Uh, the Interface Center. Over 170 people came and ate and had great veggie food. Um, If you did not have a chance to go to that one, the next next week the 39th annual SIUC Newman Catholic Center Thanksgiving Day Meal. The Newman Center 715 South Washington Street will offer free meal from noon to 2 p.m. on November 22nd. Financial contributions and support of the meal are of course always welcome as are volunteers to help with preparations, serving, and cleanup. Everyone is welcome at the Thanksgiving dinner. Um, No advance reservation are required you can call for homebound deliveries. For more information, contact Linda at 529-3311. And that's free, and that is Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> yes. So another other happenings, uh, this one's
1: not coming up for a little bit, but I wanted to mention it anyway. Uh, another Open Minds event, uh, November 25th at 8.45 a.m. at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. They'll be having... A presentation, Gaia House, an interfaith center for the 21st century. UCM board members Yo Presley, Bob Swenson, and the UCM director Hugh Muldoon will present on the progress, challenges, and dreams of getting the Gaia House project off the ground.
0: And I just wanted to put this out. Have you heard of the Alternative Gift Fair, which is held every year in the first week in December. This year it's no- Sunday, December 2nd from 2 to 5 p.m. at the Church of the Good Shepherd, which is at 515 Orchard Drive. Now, what the alternative gift fair is, is different groups and um, primarily nonprofits set up booths and explain what they do. And they will have um, either products for sale or gift certificates that you can buy supporting local nonprofits. And, um, well, the gift certificates are basically you're donating money to, let's say, the Good Samaritan House. And you get a card that's saying that you can give to your friend for Christmas saying, I donated this money to the Good Samaritan House on your behalf. And so um, we will announce that again. But again, that is Sunday, December 2nd from 2 to 5 p.m., at the Church of the Good Shepherd, please mark your calendar for the alternative gift fair.
1: Yeah, and I l- always like that because it's, it's like you get to give twice with one gift. Like you're giving to the community group and you're giving to the family men- member
0: who you're doing in their honor. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is very, very true. Yes. So well. you have any other happenings? Um, no, I think that's it for happenings for today. If you would like your happenings to get on, well, this happening show, this is Your Community Spirit. So please email them to info at yourcommunityspirit.org.
1: Or you can email them to me at treesong at treesong.org.
0: And if you want to make sure they get on, mail them to both of us. Yes, yeah. <laughs> then one of us will get it in. So, bridging the digital divide to a paperless office. Did you ever wonder why the paperless office never happened? People tried to tell me that this is the computer age but I truly believe that this is the paper age because we print more than anything. It's no secret the proverbial we introduced the second data stream into the equation, the digital stream. So now we need to convert paper faxes into emails, emails into texts, scans into image. You get the picture. Yeah, yes, that was a pun. Read the myth of the paperless office to bring the skin on the bones. This is a book that I definitely recommend, The Myth of the Paperless Office. Let's see what else I got here. Tainted meat is available for sale in the USA. (laughs) Tainted meat. Yeah, tainted meat, courtesy of the E. coli loophole. If the producers of meat stick a cook-only label on it, then it can be sold to food processing companies and used for cooking meat products in, like mite, loaf, pre-cooked hamburgers. Others say that accepting any E. coli in a packing plant raises the possibilities that clean meat will get contaminated. I just say, yuck, I'm thinking of going vegetarian full-time. <laughs> I mean, literally, the idea that they can just slap a label. It's got, they know it's got E. coli in it, but they can slap a label on it that says, cook only. Yeah, <laughs> and they're allowed to sell it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's yep. pretty, uh, pretty interesting. <laughs>
0: and I have another. Um, let's see if I can find it. Another article about how um, Pennsylvania just passed the law that you cannot. Here we go. Don't cry over labeled milk. Pennsylvania bans hormone and antibiotic-free labels on dairy products. Basically, what happened is the Pennsylvania um, state agricultural officials have passed the, it that anything they can, you cannot put a label that says hormone-free hmm. or antibiotic-free. So they have uh, outlawed consumer choice. Then exactly, the ruling takes effect January first and will affect at least 19 companies that label their milk or other dairy products as having come from cows that are free of hormones, antibiotic, um, recombined bovine growth hormone. New Jersey and Ohio are considering several bans. Monsanto, the company that manufactures the most common growth hormone given to cows, among other things, defended the ruling. Michael Don, the company's spokesperson, said the hormone-free label, quote, implies to consumers who may or not be informed on these issues that there's a health and safety di- difference between these two milks, that there's a good milk and there's a bad milk, and we know that's not the case. Or didn't you people get the memo? <laughs> Straight to the source, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette Associated Press. Can you believe that? They People cannot label that it's antibiotic-free.
1: Yeah. They... Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's aggravating me because let's say, I mean let's say you even believe that it's uh, uh, you know better to have tons of antibiotics in the meat,
0: still you should allow
1: people to have the choice one way or the other.
0: I mean, is it going to say in the milk that it's you know, you know, bovine growth hormone free in the ingredients? I mean, what what if someone wants that and how they, will they how will they know that this milk is you know free? Of yeah. that stuff, if it doesn't say it anywhere on the label.
1: Yeah, it doesn't let consumers have the choice to uh, decide what they eat and don't eat. Yep, it's oh well. <laughs> so in other news, the consent of the governors: Midwest governors sign greenhouse gas reduction pact. The governors of six Midwestern states and the premier of the Manitoba of Manitoba up in Canada signed on to the Midwestern Greenhouse Gas Reduction Accord uh, this week. This is the first such multi-state program in the U.S. Midwest, and apparently a little bit of Canada, too. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you keeping track at home, along with the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative in the Northeast and an agreement among West Coast governors, about 48% of the U.S. population is now represented in some form of Regional Greenhouse Gas Reduction Program. The Midwest Agreement commits Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Manitoba to setting up a regional cap-and-trade system for trading emission credits. Uh, credit trading would begin in 2010, but no reduction goal has been established yet. Indiana, Ohio, and South Dakota also signed on, but only as observers. At the same conference, 12 Midwestern governors
0: agreed to various... Excuse me. You said they signed on, as but observers. only. Uh, how can you sign on to something as an observer?
1: I'm not even sure. <laughs> I guess they're gonna watch and see, and maybe participate if it goes
0: well. Well, that's everybody.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. That's okay.
1: <laughs> it's like I that know. just
0: caught my attention. You yeah. can sign on to. You can sign that you're participating as an observer.
1: Yeah. Okay, caught my attention, too. I guess you had to be there. (laughs) Well, at the same conference, 12 Midwestern governors agreed to various other goals, such as aiming to have 30% of the region's electricity come from renewable sources by 2030, and working to increase the use of biofuels. Straight to the source, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel.
0: Walk 30 minutes every day, save the planet, Save your, well, I was going to say soul, but mainly save your health by losing weight. Walk 30 minutes every day, save the planet, lose weight. Attack the battle of the bulge and climate change at the same time, simply by getting off of your car and walking or biking half an hour a day, advise public health officials. The payoffs of cutting back both calories and carbon dioxide are huge. If all Americans between 10 and 74 walked just a half hour a day instead of driving, we would slash annual U.S. emissions of global warming carbon dioxide by 64 million tons. Plus, not only would we save about 6.5 million gallons of gas, we would also shed more than 3 billion pounds overall. Other benefits of ditching your auto include less smog, fewer deaths from car crashes, less osteoporosis, and less depression, since exercise is, stimulates those good-feeling endorphins. Bonus, one 2005 study concluded that if you walked half hour a day, you would lose about 13 pounds a year. And um, I still keep, it still comes to mind the study the University of Illinois did That said, although our vehicles are getting better gas mileage because we're fatter, we are actually using more fuel than ever before. So not only um, will we save, well, save our, I keep wanting to say souls, but save our health by walking, we will also save um, the planet and we will save gasoline. And the main thing we'll do, though, is be much more healthier so um don't try to drive right up to the front of the store park in the back of the lot and walk into the store you'll save gasoline by not driving around the parking lot finding a parking space and more than that i'll get rid of my gut Mm -hmm. (laughs) i started doing that i started parking at the back you know not right at the front of the store just park towards the park of the parking lot and i spend less time driving around less frustration but mainly it just feels good to walk you know an extra hundred feet i don't know
1: (laughs) yeah i'm a big fan of walking yeah so let's see in other news honk if you love hypocrisy
0: (laughs) me (laughs) me
1: big auto unveils efficient cars continues to fight against strict efficiency standards well that's interesting a little, little bit Schizophrenic, kind of hypocritical, you might say. (laughs) When the L.A. Auto Show opened... Ah, let's see. When the the L.A. Auto Show uh, has automakers flaunting hydrogen cars, super-efficient engines, electric vehicles, and hybrid SUVs, leading some to wonder at the disconnect between the car manufacturer's public-facing green ambitions and their vocal opposition a significant increase in the federal fuel efficiency standards. Quote, They're definitely saying one thing to Congress and one thing to consumers, says Phyllis Catino of the Pew Campaign for Fuel Efficiency. The head of the Alliance for Automobile Manufacturers protests that the slew of fuel-efficient technologies at the auto show proves that automakers are, quote, putting their money where their mouth is. So, what about the money going to a lawsuit to keep states from increasing fuel efficiency standards? Uh, because the auto company mouths don't talk too much to the public about that. Straight to the source, the Wall Street Journal, Associated Press, uh, Detroit News, and Michigan Daily.
0: <laughs> so we're talking about cars. Huh. Wicked smart. Eensy-weensy, In- teeny-weeny, cutie pooty little... Smart car. Huh. Remember the smart car? Yes. <laughs> the smart car is getting a big embrace from U.S. drivers. The smart car for two is coming to a dealership near you this winter. At least semi sorta near you. Starting in January, about 70 dealers across the U.S. will sell the eight foot long two seater, which gets 40 plus miles to the gallon. More than 30,000 people have put down $99 to reserve theirs. Drawing comparisons to a golf cart and e- eagerly awaited by urbanites, frustrated by tight parking, the SMART car sold in thirty six countries around the world, quote, turns head wherever it goes, said David Chimbri, president of SMART USA. Quote, I tell people, if you want to feel like a rock star, drive this car. Hmm. That rhymes even. If you want to feel like a rock star, drive this car. Straight to the source, USA Today and Salon. This car was actually designed where you could park two of them in one Parallel parking spot of a regular car. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: but although the U.S. one is going to be bigger, hmm. so it might not fit two of them in a parking slot.
1: Yeah, but, but our
0: our parking slots are bigger. Yeah, here.
1: some of our parking slots are bigger, so it might work <laughs> out. Super sized.
0: Yeah, I just I'll never forget in Europe when the first time I saw one drive by, and it was um, it was like a taxi cab for one. I forget the the company. But it was literally, they could fit one person in there besides the driver, of course, and, like, one suitcase. I saw it pull up, and and I've seen videos where they've, like, um, supercharged them. And they're itsy little bitty little cars. (laughs) But they get good gas mileage, and they're fast. Yeah. They're super fast for a little car. So it works good in the city.
1: Yeah, because they're a little car, but they've got a good engine, so they just zip.
0: Yep. Zippity-doo-dah. The the zip smart car. Hey. So, it is still that nice, cool, sunny time of the year where I absolutely love to get out and about in the woods. So, you don't have to do like me, but if you don't do it, I know people who know people who come after you. If you don't get (laughs) out in the woods. Yeah, they'll take you out there. Yeah, it's like they'll take you out there and they will stick your face in the dirt because, yeah. (laughs) It's... Why do we live in southern Illinois? Because of the beauty, but we don't get a chance to go see it. So take a half-hour walk this weekend because you need to walk about a half-hour every day. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do it every day, but this town is nice and small. You can walk across town and see the beauty of the leaves and the nice, crisp air, and it'll get your blood going, and you'll be alive.
1: <laughs> it's good to be alive.
0: We'll see you again next week.